The date is Friday, October 9th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we'll discuss a more obscure form of spooky entertainment in the form of live experiences. Whether it's haunted houses or theatrical productions, we'll discuss it all. So grab a seat and settle in, because this podcast is live in your ears now. Enjoy! Welcome, goblins and ghouls, to the second episode of Entertain This Spooktacular. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's me, one of your trepid adventurers, guiding you through the haunted house that is October. Here with me, as always, I'm Nick. And our special guest host, I'm Chloe. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to the spooky table. Uh, the the listeners can't see it, but we've covered it in cobwebs. Um, we also have a bowl of candy sitting out, mm-hmm. um, as well as we are currently recording in a house that is said to be haunted by the ghost of an old woman. And I am elbow deep in a pumpkin right now. You really are. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that maybe you'd be finished carving it by now, but I'm all right with you oh, continuing. I'm not carving it. <laughs> well, that would explain why I haven't seen much progress. I just like to sit in pumpkins. Yeah, no, you are you are full. You are you are up to your up to your hip and pumpkin right now. It was a very large pumpkin. We had to go out and find you, but uh, Feels you good, know, man. tis yeah. the season. I am currently sporting a very tasteful, sexy vampire outfit. Um, I have may a, may not work. I have an open open chest shirt, uh, fully exposing my chest hairs. Um, though what chest hairs? All three of them. Hey, <laughs> though they are though they are few, they are prominent. Um, and I'm pretty proud of them. Guys, it is it is spooky season. Uh, Chloe, there is something that I wanted to bring up before I uh, continue on with this podcast. And it's this is the second episode that you've guest hosted on, um, and it was last month when we had Mister Conjin Kate on. <laughs> uh, that in the second episode, we spent the first section of the episode just letting him uh, talk about himself, explain who he is, um, yeah, kind of go like into detail. The... This is the here I am. Yeah, uh, I bleed blood. Love me section. It's like Jeopardy after they do the first commercial break. Yeah, like, they come back and they're so like, who are you anyway? So anyway, <laughs> you just wander on stage. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just want to pass you the mic real quick and let you uh, kind of talk talk about yourself. Tell us, tell us who you are. Great. Well, um, my name's Chloe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Sorry. then I grew up in northern Indiana, and go Colts. yes, you, yeah, go Colts or whatever. Um, <laughs> I did not particularly enjoy my time in Indiana, so pretty much as soon as I graduated from my rural high school of about 2,000 people, I busted out of there, and I came to Cincinnati for college, and I got a degree in musical theater, which I am now not using. Um, unfortunately, the scariest thing about this year, uh, alongside the continuous uh, presidential debates between... Uh, <laughs> and the two, fact that the world's on fire. Two ghosts and ghouls, the fact that the world is on fire, and the ongoing pandemic... Um, unfortunately, has has definitely uh, taken taken hold of the theater community mm. and pretty much mm. stopped it in its tracks, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, basically, theater has become grassroots again, but that's okay. Sometimes you have to build things from the ground up. It's kind of nice. Um, some of my other interests include reading books, yeah, uh, <laughs> watching movies, yeah, right. um, hanging out with my boyfriend Alex. Oh. Hey, that's that's this guy right here. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you guys were dating at an unnamed uh, pet resort. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. I love dogs. I actually love all animals, even the ugly ones. Even spiders? Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're going to have to disagree there. If Chloe sings out a window, sometimes birds show up. After <laughs> a Disney princess? Yeah. <laughs> I wish that would happen to me. Have you tried? No. Well, no. I have had some sing. sweet interactions with some woodland creatures. I'm not going to lie to you. Really? Very yeah. Disney like princess. Squirrels? Yeah. You should talk to John about that. <laughs> John loves woodland creatures. Birds. That's true. Squirrels. Especially birds. Yeah, like Birdie Sanders, his hat. <laughs> Very nice hat. If you guys haven't seen the Birdie Sanders hat, I implore you mm-hmm. to go and Google it. Uh, <laughs> just take a look at, at that culmination of two great things. Uh, the, the, the freest living creature and the one who I would say, though able to move, is pretty close to not being able to move whatsoever. <laughs> the poor man is crepid. He's getting old. So many, uh, so many Halloween tie-ins here. Mm. If there was a crypt keeper, it would for sure be Bernie Sanders by now. Aww. Uh, but God love him; he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> he um, really does. He's, he's there at the gate. <laughs> I want to tear down Obamacare. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut taxes. <laughs> it starts freaking out. <laughs> the top two percent is so, going to pay the taxes. <laughs> so in your head. In your head, let me paint this picture for our, for our listeners. <laughs> it's a graveyard, right? It, it's a graveyard. Bernie Sanders is standing as the crypt keeper. He's standing up top, possibly a tower of some sort, dressed in similar clothing, which is like raggedy old suit, right? Right. Um, and he's screaming down to what I can only imagine is a Donald Trump <laughs> face on maybe a, a 12-year-old chubby boy's body. <laughs> And he's dressed as a pumpkin, and he's he's holding a he's holding a little candy bag, mm-hmm. and uh, he's screaming about tearing down the wall to the crypt, uh, so he that he can build a wall. He wants to build a wall around yeah. the crypt to, I guess, keep people out. Keep people out. Uh, <laughs> keep out he, the ghosts and the ghouls. That's right. He clearly wants he clearly wants candy from the from the crypt keeper mm-hmm. Bernie, but Bernie is not giving it to him because he did not pay his candy tax last year. <laughs> his uh, candy tax. And and, and Bernie crypt keeper knows that he only paid one Reese's cup in candy tax. And like, how often do you find them single wrapped? Come on. Trump. Yeah, it's ridiculous <laughs> because because all of the, all of the other kids that's like the amount that they go home with at the end of the day, and he's only paying that. And you saw how full his bag was. It's ridiculous. It was a full garbage bag. It was a full garbage bag, and he's only paying the same. He's paying the same amount that every other kid gets. Gets maybe maybe at a house, which is ridiculous because their candy tax is through the roof. Anyway, enough politics. What <laughs> politics? We're talking about Halloween. <laughs> By the way, I'm guilty of uh, stealing taxes from my sisters because they're they're a little younger than me. Are every you allowed to talk they... about this on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. When they um when they went trick or treating, I used to. Oh, <laughs> you. Like, Hey, big brother tax, you know. Did it work? Yeah. Did you like take them trick-or-treating? Is it one of those things where like your parents were uh, no. like, no? <laughs> no, I, just, I, I feel like my <laughs> big brother would do a big brother tax. He'd be it's... like, whatever you get, I get a little bit because yeah. I was here before you. Yeah, it's not illegal. I'm letting you on my turf. You got to learn to pay taxes. I, 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 I peed all over this this block. <laughs> this is mine. Also, I annoyed the shit out of him, so it was only fair. I had to repay him somehow. Mm. Totally fair, yeah. Taxes are important. If you don't pay them, you're bad. That's true. Uh, and that's pretty spooky. <laughs> taxes People. are spooky. <laughs> taxes, taxes are spooky. They the are spooky. spooky. Honestly, if somebody dressed as an IRS agent and came to my house to trick-or-treat, <laughs> I would be so scared <laughs> for so many reasons. Your paycheck's being audited. candy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you guys just to get us in a little Halloween spirit. Questions, I prepared right. a, a short list uh, that I, I'm curious um, 
the answers to. I love to. being asked questions. Oh, great! How you doing? Well, then, boy, how do you? <laughs> I'm doing so well. <laughs> boy, how do you? Do I have the? Do I have the segment for you? This is this is uh, Halloween how tos and get to know use is what it's called. That's so cute. Halloween how tos and get to know use. Um, so the first question that I have is. Uh, for both of you, and uh, you guys can answer in whatever order you want. The first question is, uh, what is what is the first, or I want to say, what is, what is without like going, I saw this in a photo album, like what is the first Halloween costume that you remember wearing? Uh, remember wearing? Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of this on my phone, but it's it's a picture of me in an Easter bunny, uh, bunny outfit. Like from uh, from the Christmas story? I, I don't know. I was wearing a bunny outfit and I was maybe four or five and I'm, I'm crawling through like the playset tube thing. Yeah. And I guess that was from Halloween. Maybe it was a costume contest of some sort, but it was kindergarten. So I remember wearing that. Okay. The fuzz got in my eyes. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one for a little kid. Yeah. Um, my, can my answer be two parts? Yeah, go ahead. Because one of them will tie in later. Sure. Um, the first one that I remember wearing. Well, I, I have was... another question that might bring up the second one. So j- just for now, go with the first one. Okay. I've been colluding. You're in cahoots about the topic? Perhaps. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, Continue. The first costume that I remember wearing, I was super into the Powerpuff Girls when I was a kid. And, Who wasn't? And true. And <laughs> I really liked Blossom. She just has that authoritative energy that yeah. I've always wanted to have. So, so the pink one? Yeah, the pink okay. one with the red hair. Got it. Um, so I had the pink dress with the stripe in the middle, and I had like a big felt orange wig Ooh. with a big bow on top. It was awesome. That's extra. It was really extra. (laughs) I think the first one that I remember was I was a uh, tandem cowboy with my sister. She was a cowgirl. (laughs) And we had the exact same costume. Adorable. And we had little fake guns. And when you pulled the trigger, they were like, click, 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 click. And I was like, put the candy in the bag. Click, 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 click. (laughs) Give me all your candy, partner. (laughs) My next question kind of goes in line with uh, the last one, which is, what was your favorite Halloween costume? <laughs> Probably the most. Well, I don't know. I'd say it's a tie because there's. You gotta there's, pick one. I'm forcing it. But I want to tell the story. I'm gonna be the best mediator in the world. Okay, moderator. Um, yep. So probably Billy Mays. You were Billy Mays. I was. I have pictures out there. Somewhere. Was it before or after the plane crash? After. That's excellent. Immediately the thought I was. So then ask. you were Billy Mays's ghost. Yeah, because he he died in a whatever whatever happened to him. I mean, it's really sad. But wait, there's more. Because I watched a lot of YouTube poops of him and. Uh, Next thing you know, he's gone. And, and then like, I decided to change my costume. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying homage to him. I used to try and sell people Oxyclean. Did it work? No. Oh. <laughs> I have no. a good Billy Mays impression, but I won't do it on the mic. No, do it. <laughs> it's going to clip. Well, just pull your Hi, mic Hi, Billy Mays here! <laughs> <laughs> I hope it clipped, but that was really good. You know what? Tell the second one. Tell the second one, too. Okay, second one is low effort. Very low effort. Um, I cut out basically like a diamond shape and then put some marker on it. And then put it on my chest, and then I was Super Nick, which just said Super Nick in the diamond. Did and I, it, I had a cape too. Did it work? Of course. How old were I, you? Of course it worked. Uh, I think this was eighth grade, so fourteen. And 15. they still gave you candy? Yeah. Man, your profit that year must have been <laughs> through the roof. Because you have to take into the account of how much, like, how much your your intake was candy wise, like for the value of the candy you received mm-hmm. versus the amount that was paid for your Halloween costume. It to really very tell low if you effort. if you had a profitable Halloween. And that one seems like you most certainly did because there was almost no uh no investment no 
<laughs> I took out markers and I taped it to my chest. In your Halloween portfolio. I really love talking like in, like going trick-or-treating and ah, Halloween stonks. was economic. Stonks. Sort. <laughs> the trade market between Hershey's uh, and Reese's Cubs. Don't forget Mars. And Mars bars, of course. Yeah. And sweet tarts. Mm. What no. was your guys' this, – this is actually – well, no, I'll, that, I'll, I'll wait because that's going to be the next question. Go ahead and uh, tell us your favorite Halloween costume. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it definitely is the funniest. So <laughs> got to go with that okay. one. Um, so my family used to throw Halloween parties in our barn because what else were you supposed to do? We lived in Indiana. We would take the kids on our trailer and do like haunted hay rides. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, but one year I was Alphaba from Wicked and I did the full green face paint. I had the black cape. I had the witch's hat. The witch's hat did get stained with green face paint, but <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I spray painted my hair black. So it was very chunky. Oh, wow. Oh, it was like hair spray paint. It wasn't just straight okay, up yeah. spray paint. Like, That's got to be bad for your hair. <laughs> I think my favorite was it took a lot of thrift shopping and uh a lot of antique shopping but i ended up making a full charlie chaplin uh charlie chaplin costume that's good and it wasn't like the like cheap fabric like charlie chaplin costumes it was like the full getup like the it was an actual suit jacket time accurate yeah. uh kind of outfit including like the shoes i thrifted and i even got a cane that like bent when you leaned on it awesome um and i learned how to do all the hat tricks and stuff it was a pretty fun. I think that was my very last time dressing. Did like, you have the stash or no? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The Hitler I mean, stash? You, you had to, right? You know? It's a toothbrush mustache. Let's yeah. stop calling it a Hitler stash, eh? Yeah. Hitler yeah. doesn't own that. No. Hitler's dead. So is Charlie Chaplin. Bring back, bring back the toothbrush stash. Who lived longer, though? I don't know. Charlie. Okay. Because he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't kill himself because of World War Two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He no. No. He lived through that. Let's see when. What age Hitler was when he I died? I think that if you it's have like a style that you share with like a famous like dictator or murderer or like <laughs> just terrible guy, like if you have that same style and you outlive them, then it's yours. It's you own that. You own it. Uh, so we should call that the Charlie Chaplin stash, and maybe even just uh, maybe just know Hitler as a horrible human being. You were right, right, Nick. He was fifty-six. I said thirty-eight, but whatever. I, I was thought you said fifty-something. Nope. Whoopsie. I was wrong. Hey, that's all right. It's okay to be wrong. He okay. he looked young. He he looked No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he looked pretty He bad. always looked like a piece of <laughs> Oh yeah, no, most definitely. He was actually an artist. He he was a failed artist and all of that pent up uh art that he wasn't able to create became exactly what it was. Uh my next question Oof. on our on our Halloween um how to and get to know you is What do you want for Christmas? That was gonna be the last question, oh, okay. you son of a god. It's coming up soon, that's all I'm saying. Um, no, but the last question was, um, no, this isn't the last, I got a couple more, but the, the third to last question is, um, what was your favorite Halloween piece of candy that you got? You're just asking my favorite candy. Well, yeah. That's easy. Well, I'm just talking about like when you were out there like trick or treating, what was the one that you were like, give me all of these and I'll give you all those? Uh, Twix. Twix? Is that your favorite? No, no contest. Twix. Okay. Yeah. A little, little cookie candy bar? It's a good answer. It's good candy. It's really good. Mine's yeah. Kit Kats, so oh, it's on the same vein. That's a second. Yeah. So Both mine second. is Milky Ways. Milky Ways are really good. Yeah. That's just caramel. But it, you bite into it and it's like... <laughs> oh, you know? are Milky Ways the... What am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of Three Musketeers that are just like all nougat. That's yeah, like just like fluff. That. Those are amazing. Those it's, are really it's good, good, but it's not my favorite. Those are really good for the first like... 
10 that you eat and then yeah. after that you're like Ooh. <laughs> you don't eat 10 at a time so one time i bought because I, I bought a small bag and next thing you know they're gone here's my favorite part of halloween is that when it's all over it's if you binging. have a job you don't have to go trick-or-treating you just right. go buy a whole bag of candy for 75 cents and then you hope people don't show up at your door and ask for candy. that that happens but if the day after trick-or-treating happens all the candy goes on clearance that's right 50 percent um, off and because of that i have i have bought entire bags of three musketeers and have just sat and ate them until my stomach hurt uh, because I am we not uh, an adult by any means. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so my next question would be, uh, when was the last time y'all ever felt fear? When was the last time you felt fear? Tell me about that spooky time. True fear? True fear. Like fight or flight? flight like flight? no, real fear. The next question is going to be in tandem, but it's it's different. Uh, but when was the last time you felt Like true, jump scare? True scared fear probably when i was playing alan wake yeah <laughs> to be honest yeah because <laughs> i was uh that game scary to begin with i and i keep hearing you say that i don't it, quite understand it's probably it. not all that scary to the general public but i mean i'm a little scared of the dark okay and you're, you're walking through the woods with a flashlight and you got to shine it at things and mm-hmm. there's, there's shadow people chasing you or whatever so that coupled with a fear of uh, the darkness <laughs> it doesn't play out well because i know what's the like official medical name for that does anybody uh, know nectophobia or something like that look it up our fact our, checker. <laughs> our fact checker is on the case it is nectophobia i'm pretty sure nectophobia all right nick has nectophobia funny, right? nectophobia that's yeah. pretty quite awesome. ironic i really like that hmm. so yeah, that's probably it so and what's then, happening in the game I just, don't know what was happening. It's just I was, dark. And... I was just trying to get to some place, and then people come out of nowhere, and they're like doing whatever they do, being scary and stuff. That and sounds horrifying. This game is so specific. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're always behind you, and they just come up behind you, and you're sitting there with a punk-ass flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> like, punk ass I can't meat. see anything. What is... <laughs> it's not know. even like a military-grade flashlight that you could like hit their temple with. No, it's What the hell's the point, then? <laughs> It's like having a phone flashlight, but that game was released before everyone had smartphones. So. Chloe, yeah. I have a feeling that your answer and my answer are going to be very similar. Um, but go ahead. What's yours? Well, mine's not nearly as fun. The last time I truly felt fear was a few days ago when it was raining really hard and I hydroplaned. That is scary. Yeah. That's super spooky. I kind of like that. You like hydroplaning? I'm weird. <laughs> that is very weird. It's kind of a thrill because you're like, whoa, I'm going to die. No, I'm not. Uh. <laughs> It's a it's a thrill only after you survive it. Right. <laughs> it's not a thrill like a roller coaster where you know you're safe the whole time. I know I'm safe. Well, usually I drive on pretty rural roads around here, you yeah. know, so. Uh, well, my answer is uh, I like I have the like lights behind me. I flip them off. I turn off my main light. I turn off my little desk light. And I'm just watching it in the dark. And I'm like, I'm going to see every detail on this like brand new 4K TV. I had my soundbar set up with like the uh, the bass drop and everything. Uh-huh. It was up just a little bit. The show loud. that we're talking about for context is called The Haunting of Hill House. It's on Netflix. Yes. It's not about Hank Hill. No. It's not. Okay. Don't, it's don't go into that. Don't go into it with that mindset. <laughs> you will be severely disappointed. Where's Bobby? Where's the Oh, <laughs> the you'll, you'll be wishing they showed up, but they never did. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there. I have it all turned off. I'm on the very first episode, and I'm watching, and like... Like I was saying, I really don't get scared by, like, media anymore. Like, I can watch it and just, like, have a fun ride with it. Okay. Um, But with everything in the dark, in this, like, I'm in my, like, old house, which is, like, over 100 years old, and I have all the lights turned off, and it's just me, and, like, that bass is booming, and mm-hmm. it, like, gets to a point where, like, 
nothing was happening that was remotely scary on the like TV. And I had already watched this episode, just I was rewatching it because I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like started feeling this like creeping fear up my back, and I was like, "Why the hell am I scared of this right now?" And so I kept watching, and eventually I was just like, no, but I have to turn on some light. <laughs> so I turned on the lights behind me, and I kept watching. But yeah, it, for the first time I was like watching the show, I was like, oh, man. I feel like like childhood, adolescent like fear. Mm-hmm. Like, just yeah. I'm in danger. I need protected by something, even if that's something is just like turning on lights, which was interesting that, uh, that media was able to pull the wool over my eyes once again. Yeah, that show's really unique in that aspect. Yeah, I think we're going to get into it a little bit later, so I don't want to spoil too much. Right. Um, but yeah, that that show is is and I've I've still only made it through two episodes at the at the moment. Okay, so this last question is like the big meat and potatoes. This is the segue I'm writing into the sunset, so be with me here. Um, what was the last time that a live experience of some form of entertainment caused you fear? And wh- what was what was the experience? You mean like a, a video now? I know game? that I know that you, Nick, you don't you don't mess with this. Uh, no, but there has to have been a time. You mean like with? Are you talking about video games or like TV or like an ex, like a live experience? Like so, not a, TV. a haunted house. No, or, I, don't, I don't. You've never been in a haunted house. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, then then let's take the next best thing, like a scary movie you saw in a movie theater, maybe. Um, no. No, never done that either. Yeah. Okay, uh, so let's <laughs> let's dilute this down a little bit more for Nick. I, the the original question still stands for you, um, but um, no, let's say like maybe a at home experience. Maybe you decided to watch something on Netflix. Um, well, one time I, I shut off all the lights in the basement, or the basement we're sitting in right now. Did you say Alan woke again? No, 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 no not Alan woke. Um, and then and then I ran upstairs, and you, you know how when you're a kid, like. Yeah, it might be something in the dark. You have to run faster up the stairs yeah. because you think something's chasing you. You do. Yeah, yeah. that's probably it. I 100% believe that it's, sometimes it happens. That is your equivalent to the answer of the question that I was looking for. It does. It happens. Yeah, yeah. So so you make your own little haunted house in your head as you're running up to. the steps. It's just like, oh, you know, I'm not scared of the dark, whatever. You so, shut off that light, it gets pitch black down here. I'm like, nope. So Nick, I know you as a man of logic. Okay. A man of, uh, your your brain works as a computer. So I guess like you just weighing the pros and cons, you're like, why the hell would I go into a haunted house? That doesn't make any sense. No, because I don't want to be scared. Right. Because like, that's that's something that you're not supposed to feel, feel like you're not supposed to feel scared just for fun. I, I guess I do it for fun someday. Obviously just, not this year because, you know. Yeah, right. unfortunately. Pandemic. Well, next year we're going to have one hell of an episode for you guys when we take <laughs> Nick into a haunted house and then make him do a whole episode on it. <laughs> That'd we'll strap fun. a GoPro on him. I get scared. Yeah, it's true. That's why I don't do haunted houses. I think that you'd have a good time. Uh, I I know that from my experience, most haunted houses that I've done, um, I end up laughing all the way through it. Laughing? Yeah. That's just one way to deal like, with it, I Just guess. as like a reaction to it. Just like get scared. I'm like, ha, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is bizarre. <laughs> it's just like this weird feeling that overtakes you. Uh, <laughs> Chloe. I'm sure that I've done things more recent because as I laid out, extensively in the last podcast i love being scared yeah you guys are like intentionally you guys are like polar opposites a little bit (laughs) because i am always scared because i have anxiety so choosing to be scared is just a way to control that fear um but freshman year i went to the king's island haunt 
Yeah. And rode spooky? all the rides and did some haunted houses. And yeah. at one point I screamed because this guy like roller skated up behind me and like he didn't touch me because I don't think they're allowed to touch you just like wandering around the park. Especially now. But he like <laughs> like ripped up next to me and he had a mask on and I was just like. Ah! <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It was really, really fun. That's just, another thing I don't do is ride rides or roller coasters. Oh my God. Roller coasters are so fun. I do. But then Natalie says I scream bloody murder and it's not fun for her. So. <laughs> That's the most fun part. It's true. Is your friends screaming bloody murder. Yeah. Um, like, I, I scream like I'm getting uh, murdered and chopped into little pieces. So flush down the drain. <laughs> I should take you to Cedar Point sometime. Where's that? It's in Cedar Sandusky, Point. Ohio. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like you would leave and you wouldn't have a voice. You would have oh, no. screamed it out. <laughs> it, it'll be awesome. I definitely want to be a part of that. That little company outing. Company outing. It will um, happen. It's a tax write-off. Uh, so Also true. We we have the privilege of living in a in a very secluded part of uh, kind of haunted house culture that really only exists in two places. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, um, but we live as we've said. Uh, we we are Cincinnati boys, um, born and raised, born and born and raised. So we have the uh, privilege of having the USS Nightmare, which is not something that everyone gets. It doesn't like travel up and down the Ohio. Like it's it parks in Cincinnati and that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other USS Nightmare that is down in New Orleans and that is the only other USS Nightmare. That would be so fun. Oh yeah, the New Orleans USS. Nightmare? Yeah, it is a lot like our USS Nightmare, if not a little worse. Actually. Yeah, New Orleans is lit. Yeah, um, but but ours is actually scarier because the like creator of the USS Nightmare started this one first. Mm. And uh, then, is that, that the, that's the boat, right? The that's boat, the steamboat, the, the scary boat. Yeah, it is the paddle wheel and all that. Yep, like tall stacks. Yep. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, the spooky. one that just like sits there on the river and has yeah. the big sign. Yeah, I've seen that. So that was probably the last haunted house live experience that I had. Okay. And when was this? This was, uh, I think, the year after I left high school, which was a while ago. Um, but I went with my sister. And I think her, at the time, boyfriend, uh, then fiancé, now husband. So that's how long it's been. <laughs> Did she like it? Did Alicia like it? Oh, yeah. Alicia loves stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, she absolutely adores it. Nice. Um, I, I did have the opportunity to go to a haunted house last year, but then I decided, I looked at the time, I was like, you know what? It's too late. Yeah, that's Get another a little thing. Late. <laughs> I gotta have, go to bed. You have that, like, really, really early bedtime that it's you have It's only 10 o'clock. Well... I really want to do an escape room, but one that's spooky. Oh, yeah. I did do an escape room that was like you're kidnapped and you're locked in this room and the lights are turned off and you're handcuffed. Okay. And... That's a little too real. Well, I was talking about like a zombie a apocalypse kinky, scenario. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but you know why I'm writing this segue into the sun is because uh, what I want to talk about today is something that, uh, you know, it seems so obvious that it exists, but it's not something that you think about. Like when you think about like theater the world of live theater. Okay. What you don't think about is like the scary movie equivalent to plays and musicals. That exists? That exists. Mm, that? In uh, in quite obvious ways that once I think I, I mention it, um, you guys are just going to like see it click. But there are a couple of very interesting shows inside of this vein uh, that exist. And the first one that I want to talk about is interesting because of the way that it was created. Um and it's something that I think you guys will be familiar with. You guys are, of course, familiar with the hit Broadway musical turned movie, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Nope. You are not familiar with Little Shop of Horrors. Nope. How about you, Chloe? 
I am very familiar. You have a theater degree, <laughs> so that 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 clocks. I'm glad at least one person is. So you know what? This is this is a return to form for us. Uh, the return of the uh, I understand, Chloe understands, and Nick does not understand. So now I get to spend time with Chloe as we convince Nick that this is worth his time. I'm not as, cultured. I'm sorry. As we have so many times before. There is a fantastic movie with uh, Rick Moranis mm-hmm. that I highly recommend. That's now, all I Chloe, say, Rick Moranis. Yep. Chloe, I want to ask you, did you know that uh, before Rick Moranis and before the stage show, it was actually originally a movie in the 1960s? And that movie was also called The Little Shop of Horrors. Hmm. Um, I've never seen that version. I imagine it's good. So it's it's funny because the original Little Shop of Horrors at the time was our equivalent of like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or like... Uh, What's that one? Does that the room? It it was the 1960s equivalent of the room. It was purposely bad, and because of that, it gained a cult following. The reason that it was purposely bad was because it was a movie that wasn't even uh, planned to be made. This movie was not on the docket. There was no script. What happened was a bunch of stars were working on a film known as A Bucket of Blood, one that did not sustain the tests of time we do not remember bucket of blood nope but we do remember is the movie that was shot after all was said and done there were two days left that they had on set they had all of the props they had this beautiful flower shop set they're like we have this time what are we going to do with it they're like let's film another movie like another movie in two days they're like yeah they looked around they're like what if we did like a a dude who works at a flower shop and there's a person eating plant they're like what? That doesn't make any sense. So they make the movie in two days with only a budget of $28,000, which is the equivalent of $2,400,000 today, which is a lot of money to like us, but in... Not in the context of making a movie. In the context of making a movie, that is like damn near nothing. That's like the amount of money you spend to make like... uh, um, What's that really famous movie festival? Sundance Sundance film is like around that much (laughs) just for like renting a 4k camera like a really nice camera is about that which is kind of ridiculous then you got to pay the people you got to pay the actors you got to pay for the editing software you got to pay time for the editor and you have to pay for all the production stuff and the promotional stuff as well um so yeah that's (laughs) that's not a lot of money is what we're getting at not at all um but they utilized the set that they already had and they made this movie um which was a little different from the one that we know today um, in ways of like Seymour maybe wasn't as nerdy as he was later portrayed, which isn't something oh, you're familiar with. Oh, hold on. I Wait, have a quick question. Oh, oh what? Is this, is this the musical that has the Feed Me Seymour thing in it? That's correct. Okay, I've seen that bit. Yes. Nothing else, though. So, Continue. <laughs> uh, it, like uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show or The Room, this film slowly gained a cult following through word of mouth and was kind of distributed as a double feature with uh, another show or another movie called uh, Black Sunday, which was a little bit more famous. So Black Sunday would pull people in, and then they would also get this double feature with Little Shop of Horrors. Um, it's like a B-side. It's kind of like a B-side, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they kind of grew more fans of Little Shop, and eventually they took that script that was written in two days, that movie that they made, and they adjusted it and made it so that it could be a Broadway musical. They added in the songs, they added in the dances, and they found out, like, hey, this this story works a lot better with all of these, like, jazz-inspired, like, mm. music bits that are added into it. 
and it became one of the first like scary quote unquote it's a comedy but has moments where it's like full of suspense and um i mean people get straight up murdered yeah no people get murked for real (laughs) so so in the in the like 19 uh I believe it was the 1980s this off-Broadway musical comes with all of the, like, 80s jazz and, like, uh, doo-wop girls and things like that. <laughs> cheesy. Um, it, cheesy, sure. Kind of campy, of course. Whatever. But uh, still notable nonetheless and still famously still portrayed today. Um, and this this musical got so popular that they, again, made a 1986 feature film uh, starring, as you said, Rick Moranis. In the starring role of Seymour Krelborn, the nerdy boy next door figure who lives in the basement of this flower shop and uh, pines for acceptance and love in a world in which he hasn't seen it before because he was orphaned uh, from a man named Mr. Mushnik, who Oof. is the owner of the flower shop. Um, and way on down the line, your boy Alex would play that part. So there's a little part for you. A little you, side note. You play oh, the, yeah. the shop no, owner? Or? I, no, I played Seymour Krelborn. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, thanks. Thanks, pal. If anybody out there who doesn't know what I look like was wondering, uh, picture picture, uh, picture Seymour. <laughs> picture a young Rick Moranis put through a taffy puller, and you basically made it there. Now imagine him naked. <laughs> you can if you want. I'm sorry, wrong podcast. I got ex- I what know. other podcast are you on? I can't answer that here. Okay. <laughs> uh, so continuing this beautiful segue ride into the sun where I will be evaporated by its heats, uh, I'm going to jump on the segue that I that I wrote myself in, which is uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. which followed a very similar path to Little Shop about 20 years later. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, though, started out on stage as the Rocky Horror Show, which followed the same plot line as the movie that is now a cult classic. Um, but it had, it, it showed like it it was the beginning of, uh, um, Tim Curry's career because Tim Curry at the time was not being casted in anything and took this like once in a lifetime opportunity to do this like obscure play that like didn't really make any sense to him, um, where he was playing an alien prince from outer space who had kidnapped, uh, this, these two humans and was keeping them captive in his sex castle. And, like, for the 80s, that was totally on par. Even though, like, nowadays it's like, that sounds so taboo. But, like, in the 80s, that was just the way it was. Um, but this, like, rock musical kind of took hold. And uh, from it, they gained the success that made it into the movie, keeping almost entirely the same cast as the, at the time, hit London musical. Uh, and that's how we got the classic Rocky Horror Picture show. Uh, mm, okay. That jokingly called itself a late night double feature almost uh kind of a homage to little shop and its beginnings of being an actual late night double feature oh is it so that's what you call like when two movies are that is so at a at a feature at a drive-in okay um yeah when they when they play two movies at the same time it's known as a double feature all right which is something that chloe and i one of our first dates was actually going to a drive-in to a double feature though we only I think we only got to see one of the two movies. Yeah, because it started at like 10 because they have to wait for the sun to fully set. And by the time the first movie's over, it's like 1 a.m. So you don't want to stick around for the second one. No, You won't be able to drive home. I'd be sleeping. 
I'd be sleeping. <laughs> I'd be sleeping, though. <laughs> so the Rocky Horror Picture Show was made in, sorry for the quick uh, correction, it was made in 1975, which was actually while the Rocky, while uh, Little Shop of Horrors was still on Broadway and before they had made the Little Shop of Horrors movie. Mm-hmm. So there's this weird kinship. You call this a double feature. There's this weird kinship between Little Shop of Horrors and the Rocky Horror Picture Show that both kind of like launched this like spooky ooky time in theater um, where it was, I'm a movie. Well, I'm a play, but now I'm a movie. Oh, well, now I'm a play. I guess I'll become a movie. And that was like the conversation happening between these two shows, uh, which is really nice. Yeah, we're not confirming any, you know, collusion between the two, but just something that happened now because i like fun facts uh and some people who maybe are familiar with the rocky horror picture show you guys are i assume nope i assume that you weren't actually that's fair Uh, but i assume that (laughs) that chloe was um some some things that people may not know because i love fun facts the rocky horror picture show was actually the first movie in a trilogy did you know that I had no idea, but I'd love to hear more. There is a sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show that was made, um, and it. What more is there to say? And it, it follows it follows the uh, the the pinnacle characters Brad and Janet um, as they go through a completely different experience that is nothing like the original. Um, I wasn't expecting this level of interest so i will now be doing some googling so that i can give you way more information on uh <laughs> is it called rocky horror 2 the empire strikes back it's called shock treatment it was made six years after the rocky horror picture show i don't like that <laughs> no that's kind of <laughs> fucked up yeah um it i was... hate that title card too yeah that no sucks. that's that's very scary but that would be the uh flip the that around of... show to nick sure so th- that would be the character of uh that's actually the face you make. Of Riff Raff. <laughs> it's pretty close. The character of Riff Raff was played by that guy. And it says, while not an outright sequel, sequel it does... Why is he red? It does uh, keep the two pinnacle characters in it. I have so um, many questions. He looks like the hot sauce guy from SpongeBob. There are a lot of questions that I just don't have answers to. Because it's true. That's okay. This, this is not as widely shown as uh, kind of... The Rocky Horror Picture Show is, but in this one we see Janet, uh, Brad and Janet, who are now married. Um, they they are putting their marriage to the test as Janet, a uh, wannabe actress, is now casted in a show. Um, but her director, believe it or not, is this red-faced man who is absolutely terrifying. I suggest that if you haven't seen this picture, you should just Google Rocky Horror Picture Show 2. <laughs> Uh, click on shock treatment, the wiki page, as I have just now, and uh, you know, greet yourself to that crazy man with that red face. Uh, just absolutely terrifying. I don't know if I want it. It's your face. It's, uh... <laughs> it's just, it's just that that weird like, what's what's that smile called? Isn't there a name for it? It's called the Nick face. I don't know. That's, I'm pretty sure, and I I really hate to tell you this, but I'm pretty sure it's called the like cuck smile. Caught me. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. So no, you may be a simp, but you're not a cuck. Thank you. So in it, <laughs> Brad ends up casted in a soap opera that centers around a local mental hospital. Um, All right, we're gonna have to cancel. Go business. As Here Farley, comes the shock treatment. As Farley molds her, the main character's name is Farley. Who uh, molds Farley. her into a singing diva superstar in an attempt to take her away from Brad. 
This is the plot of the second one. Has nothing to do with the first one. Great but, plot. <laughs> as I said, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is actually uh, a trilogy. And so in, it's not so much a sequel as it is a spinoff. Kind of a spinoff. But oh. the third one is where we see a return to form where Brad and uh, Janet are abducted by aliens and taken to the planet where Frankenfurter originated from. Now, this one was never made. It only exists as a script that you can read online. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but what but I will say is money, I, would, I would have rather they made this third one than have made shock treatment hmm. because in this one there is... They, they go off to the planet where Frankenfurter is from. They meet with his mother, who is actually a queen. And we learn that Frankenfurter was a prince. Um, a prince and a scientist, I guess. But more importantly, he was a prince. And the mother's like, what happened to my son? And she punishes um, Riff Raff and the maid who has a name that I can't remember at the moment. But It starts with a C. Yeah. Uh, people are screaming at us right now, so they obviously know the Chrysanthemum. answer. Chrysanthemum. I can hear them in the future yelling into yeah. their into their radios and headphones <laughs> and such. Um, but th- they those two are murdered by the queen, who was like, "You were supposed to protect my son, and you got him killed." Mm-hmm. Um, she sends Brad and Janet back in time to the beginning of the Rocky Horror Picture Show to save uh, Frankenfurter and bring him to the future. Uh, where he's he's safe and back at home. Sure. After being exiled away for being a well, I don't I don't exactly remember what he identified as, so I don't want to take a guess. But uh, for being whatever he was, because you know, 1980s, it's just kind of the way it was back then. Which is unfortunate. Jinkies. Jinkies, Scoob. <laughs> I'm glad that we've matured as people. Uh, so continuing on in a more serious route, I want to talk about uh a show that. I uh, I think is probably the scariest that it gets because these last two have been horror, but they've been more like tongue in cheek. Spoofy horror. Spoofy yeah. horror. Yeah. Um. Still fun though. Yeah, still fun, but spoofy horror. Um, this next one is actually kind of scary, which is the Woman in Black. Uh, some of you may know the Woman in Black as a movie starring Daniel Radcliffe. That- I have seen the movie. The movie is pretty good hmm. daniel radcliffe does a good job and he's harry potter he is harry potter it was 2012 that he made the woman in black that is so long ago and there were <laughs> moments that i was genuinely scared but it does not stand out in my mind as being a well-executed film no it is definitely one of those like this is a scary movie it's exactly what you expect walking in get ready for some like conjuring jump scares and stuff okay that's fair um but it's a movie that was based on a 1983 novel by the same name that follows the same storyline, which is interesting. You know, novels are great, movies are great. What what I'm what I want to want to pin down is the fact that before they decided to make this into a movie, they took the book adaptation and they made a stage play out of it, uh, which is like the pinnacle of like horror in uh, in like stage. So it See, ran... that's the thing about a movie. You can just pause it. You can walk away. But if it's theater, it's live. It's right in your face. It's happening in front of you. And this took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. This is one of those situations where, like, the way that they pull this off is just absolutely incredible. The basic storyline of it is that there is a man who is, um, he's, he's raising his son in this brand new house. Uh, the mother has passed away, and they're trying to get over the mother's death. And the house is haunted by a witch uh, called the Woman in Black. Then where did she come from if it's a brand new house? Uh, It's a new house to them. 
Ah. Yeah, brand new house in the sense of we moved here, this is a new house. Uh, but it's not a new new house. The problem with most horror <laughs> gently films. Gently used, yeah. Uh, yeah, gen- a gently used, a gently, gently abused house. And for that reason, there are ghosts that live. Nobody calls them used houses. You know what's that? Yeah, no. Only that? pre-owned. Yeah, it's like, this is pre-owned. Rent-to-own house. <laughs> used. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he finds a locked room um, that is a child's nursery that is abandoned, basically hinting that this this woman had a child and that child had died. Mm. Um, so now there's this ghost of a woman and uh, just kind of, here comes spoilers for The Woman in Black if you don't want to read the book or you can't find a place where Please the proceed. where the where the play has has happened or you don't want to watch the movie which is on Netflix. I mean, I'd say it. there's kind of a an unexplained spoiler warning on all of these episodes oh, because yeah. we talk about media. <laughs> oh yeah. We can't just talk about it spoiler free. This can't be a spoiler free podcast or we'd have nothing to talk about. They'd be a lot shorter episodes. Yeah, so if you don't want to hear spoilers for a movie that came out 8 years ago, then just skip ahead. Yeah. So uh, basically, kind of the spoilers of it is is that um, he has this son, and the woman in black is like, I lost my kid, why should you get to keep yours? Ooh. And starts trying to kill this son, ha- forcing him to send his son away. Um, but when he sends his son away, he starts having all these nightmares of his son dying. And this is all portrayed on stage. Um, there are only two actors who are credited, because the son is never seen in the play. Um, all you see is the man who sells him the house and him as they're trying to figure out what's going on. There are actually three actors on stage uh, at, that it? at a time. Only three, which is the main character, the man who sells him the house, and the woman in black. The woman in black goes uncredited in the playbill. They basically put her uh, as like a stage hand. Mm-hmm. But the kind of gist that it gives you is there are only two people on stage. If you're seeing a third person, that's the woman in black. And they use like smoke and mirrors and a lot of like haunted house kind of like goofs and gaffs like smoke machines and uh, glass panes and stuff like that. If you have a chance to look it up on YouTube, they do some super impressive like scary, like scary house, like like horror things to to make you scared while sitting in the audience. Can you imagine being the stage manager who has to call that show? I feel like that would be so stressful. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like woman in black, (laughs) woman in black, you got five. Like, <laughs> just so many like technical things that could go wrong yeah i could see it so so the the end of it is uh he has to go and he has to retrieve the body of this little boy uh from the bottom of this like like moldy bog um and it's like covered in mud and he like gets it out and he has to like give it a proper burial next to the woman in black like pops open her uh her casket and like lays the boy inside with her she's like skeleton there bugs crawling over and he's like all right this is done i've done it barrier again we're good now all is taken care of um or so he thought or so he thinks <laughs> we have a we have a we have a very similar scene to the the final harry potter where he Goes to a train station to pick up his son. It is really similar. Yeah, he goes to a train station to pick up his son. His son uh, falls into the tracks. Um, as that doesn't happen. In as Harry he <laughs> as he had dreamed. Um, and he goes to save his son. The last shot we see, he's covered. He's like surrounded in by white in this like train station. He's holding his son, and uh, his wife is there. And we are thought to believe he finally found peace because he was pushed into the tracks by the woman in black, who has reunited their family. Um, but at the same time, just like murked him to show like he hadn't actually helped at all even (laughs) though he had thought that he did which is super scary and uh just honestly so impressive that they did it on a live aspect and like stage i think that's so cool 
uh, that they were able to pull that off or that it's somebody difficult. even thought like I will be watching that bootleg on YouTube. You absolutely should. <laughs> I am not one of those theater snobs that thinks that bootlegs are, you know, the what end of theory? Broadway. I think that theater itself is inherently elitist and we should have more bootlegs. That's right, baby. I agree. Anarchy. Anarchy. Um, no but- gods, no masters. Only men. Exactly. Andrew Ryan, 2012. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Chloe real quick to talk about another show that she is uh, very familiar with, that I'm maybe not so familiar with, but is a big part of the like, hey, this is this is what Halloween's all about and put on stage. And after that, I have one more show to talk about. And this we'll is quite a ride. Cut I, it to I the wasn't expecting the, the double trouble here. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you guys well, are hanging up on me. We're tacky so, on this. But the best part is you can contribute because I'm going to talk about Wicked. I've seen this. And you've seen Wicked. Seen you've seen play. Wicked. That's right. You know, I haven't. So so I am the blind sheep here. My Maya, the turns table. <laughs> Love that. Table's turn. Um, so for anybody who does not know, Wicked was, again, first a book um, by, I want to say his name is Frank Herbert, but I am going to double check that because I hate being wrong. Is he the same guy wrong. that wrote The Wizard of Oz? Oh, Gregory Maguire. So that's the guy who wrote Wicked. Um, so let's find out who wrote The Wizard of Oz. I thought that The Wizard of Oz was written by a woman. Nope. Probably not. Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy wrote it. L. Dumbass. Frank Baum. Wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and okay. then Gregory Maguire wrote his own kind of... Um, Unofficial sequel or prequel. Prequel sequel. Yeah, it's a prequel slash sequel because you see the before and then the aftermath. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. So, basically, Wicked is the story of the, the Wicked Witch of the West mm-hmm. and the Good Witch, Glinda, and how they have a relationship because... Um, Elphaba was kind of born out of strife. Her mother has an affair, and then this traveling man gives her like an elixir, and it's green, and she drinks it, thinking that um, I think it's like some kind of thing to make sure she doesn't have a baby. But instead, she pops out a little green baby, mm-hmm. hmm. and her name is Elphaba. Yeah, it's a like attempt to like use magical birth control. Yeah, that doesn't work. Doesn't work uh, okay. because she like doesn't she like cheat on her husband or something? Yeah. And that's like the birth control to be like, Mm -hmm. I didn't cheat on you. And that's why there's like that resentment. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Makes sense. Um, Didn't pick up on that. (laughs) And then um, their mother dies in childbirth having Elphaba's little sister, Nessa Rose, who has um, physical disabilities. She's in a wheelchair. So Elphaba kind of grows up a pariah in her town. Um, nobody likes her. They're all afraid of her. Even her father dotes on Nessa Rose more because Elphaba's just kind of, you know. She's green. Yeah, she's green. She's different. <laughs> Doesn't help. Everybody's afraid. But she's not his. Yeah, and she's not his daughter, so what does he care? Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes away to magic school. Uh, the sh- Hogwarts School right, of no. Shiz <laughs> okay. is what it's called, and <laughs> School of Shiz. That's actually the name of the school. This shiz. is School of Magic and Shiz, you know. <laughs> Magic and Shiz. That's the full title. And this is where she meets a girl <laughs> named Galinda, and they are forced to be roommates. And it is the classic like uh, weirdo plus the popular blonde kind of scenario. Classic. Right. Classic. Popular. <laughs> <laughs> but. Good song. 
Elphaba immediately surpasses Galinda in terms of talent. She is way more magically adept. That she catches on quickly. And a teacher named Dr. Dillamond, who is a goat man, uh, kind of becomes her mentor. Stand on your bridge, goat man. I don't know what that is. That's a. <laughs> so we were we were gonna originally talk about uh, uh, what did I call them? Crypt cryptids. Cryptids. We we're cryptids. gonna talk about cryptids this episode, but uh, it didn't feel entertaining enough. Um, but a, it almost goat, sounds like a, a bug. The goat man is a cryptid. Uh, he stands on a bridge. I did not know that. Yeah, that's that's just what he does. That's what he does. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> goat boy. Elphaba meets the Wizard of Oz, and uh. at first she is rather impressed by him. Thinks he's you know pretty hot shit, and then she starts noticing some problems in Oz. Um, animals that there are a lot of anthropomorphic animals in the show i didn't know if that was obvious by the goat teacher like lion king <laughs> no no not like lion king <laughs> not at all not at all like lion king. um could have been but like things start going wrong with the animal's magic and she becomes very suspicious of this um so she starts to look into it, and this is about the time that Fiero shows up, which is the primary love interest of the show. Both Galinda and Elphaba are super into him. Played by your boy, uh, Neil Patrick Harris? No. Nope. Who's that guy? Norbert Leo Butts. That's the one. Yeah. I knew it started with an N and had three names. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know he's a big deal when you have three names. That's right. He is great. He went on to do the last five years. Yeah. We love that for him. Um, and Big Fish. And Big Fish. But Not to be forgotten. Um, or confuse a big chicken. Keep it <laughs> moving. So <laughs> Dr. Dilliman resigns from the school of shiz and everybody's like, hey, what the hell? Why is this happening? Um, and so Glinda and Elphaba go to meet the Wizard of Oz together. And that's when they realize that the guy's a total sham and his <laughs> magic is fake. And he is the one that is taking away the animal's power. Like, Dr. Dilliman loses his ability to speak. All he can do is bleat goat noises. Oh. Uh, which is upsetting, because he was a mentor for Alphaba, and now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's reduced to nothing. Um, so then in Act 2, Alphaba is the wicked witch now. She has kind of um, deflected from society. She is fighting back against the wizard, and Glinda accepts a promotion to be kind of like uh, not the mayor but you know like the protector yeah the protector of the city against the evils of Elphaba. so they have now become like opposing forces led by the head of shiz whose name is madame morrible so this is after the events of uh the wizard of oz no this is before okay we'll get to the after part yeah okay so nessa rose her little sister She's becomes in a wheelchair she is. She becomes the mayor of Munchkinland after their father dies. Mm-hmm. And when Elphaba goes to see her, she discovers that she has been crushed by a flying house sent in a tornado by Madame Morrible, who can control the weather. Hold up. <laughs> so she killed her little sister. Hey. And Glinda happened to be on the scene when her sister was murdered, takes the ruby slippers off of her dead body and gives them to Dorothy. So Elphaba comes upon the scene and she's like, what the f***, bro? That was my sister, and you just took her shoes off of her corpse and gave them to this twerp? Like, what is going on here? Why did you so... just give away my sister's shoes, you ass? Right, obviously she's furious. <laughs> they were Jordans. <laughs> because. Because plot relevance, bro. <laughs> so he, she tries to go confront the wizard, and, you know, it's 
it's supposed to be like this final battle thing, but she's thwarted. She attempts to use magic and she accidentally gives a monkey wings, which is mm. where we see the flying monkeys in right. The Wizard of Oz. Very classic stuff. Yep. Um, so Elphaba and Fiero kind of run away together. They make plans to get the hell out of Dodge because obviously they're not welcome there anymore Hmm. and she meets up with glinda in a cornfield and this is kind of their moment of redemption Hmm. for their friendship um whatever tattered remains are left gravity is that where we're at no defying gravity already happened okay cool defying gravity is her um like leaving town Mm -hmm. and glinda getting the promotion because now all of oz is like this chick is dangerous. Yeah. We can't trust her. Yeah. It's a good song. Uh, it's great. So they meet in a cornfield and um, Elphaba tries to use magic to save Fiero, who has been kidnapped by the captain's guards and is currently being tortured um, by crucifixion. If we're going to get real specific. Ow. Yep. Oof. So she attempts to, to use magic Typical. to save him. And instead of saving him, she accidentally turns him into a scarecrow mm. because the ah. spell she's attempting is to let his bones never break. And instead she just takes his bones, <laughs> just makes him a floppy scarecrow man. One way to do is it. it. Is he now the scarecrow? He is the scarecrow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is the scarecrow's origin story. And obviously Alphaba is incredibly disheartened by this, you know, another failure in her magical career. Um, so all the citizens d- unite and they're like, let's go kill her because obviously, you know, can't be trusted. Can't let her stay in this town. It's a witch hunt. Yeah, it is absolutely <laughs> classic witch hunt. Um, so Elphaba captures Dorothy and Toto and takes them to the castle and is like holding them ransom essentially until she gets Nessa's ruby slippers back. Mm. Um, Are they not on her feet? On Dorothy's feet? Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember her. Is how you're going to be like, give me the slippers. I have Dorothy. And then Dorothy's in there like, yeah, give her the slippers. <laughs> Rubbing on her feet where the slippers are. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe Glinda like magically attaches them to her feet. Oh, There's I think that actually is on. what it is from the, from the original movie. Yeah. I don't recall. So Glinda goes to the castle to kind of be like, hey, Madame Morrible murdered your sister. And also please let Dorothy and Toto go because you totally can't kidnap children. Um, <laughs> it's a little messed up. Right. So, Elphaba refuses to do this until she receives a letter saying that Fiero has died. She doesn't know that she turned him into Scarecrow. The captain's guard is like, you killed him. Mm. Um, Which kind of, you know, sends her off the rails. What's up? So are we ignoring the part in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy meets the Scarecrow? No, we're not there yet. But doesn't she do that like immediately after leaving the Munchkin Village? This is... (laughs) This is Gregory Maguire's own understanding of the story. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, So Glinda is like, listen, I want to help you. I want to make up for all the terrible things that have happened to you and have happened between us. Mm -hmm. So she agrees to help her get her out of Oz. Um, So Elphaba gives the magic book she's been using to cast spells to Glinda to help her in the future. Um, We have that famous song for good, like you've changed me and I'll never be the same because of your friendship, whatever, whatever. Um, Right. As the angry mob arrives with their pitchforks, um, Glinda watches as they throw a bucket of water on her because, you know, water makes the Wicked Witch die. Mm -hmm. Um, So she goes up in like a puff of smoke and all you see is her witch's hat and the green elixir that 
made her be green when she was born. So Glinda takes this and she goes and confronts Madame Morrible and she's like, look what you've done. And we realize that the wizard was her illegitimate father. Uh-oh. He was the one who slept with her mother. He was the one who gave her the elixir. And he realizes that this all ultimately was his fault. Mm. Um, so, so she still <clears throat> dies. Well, no. So Glinda goes, confronts these people, and then we go back to the cornfield, and mm-hmm. we see Fiero come out in his little scarecrow body and open up a trap door that Elphaba climbs out of. They have tricked the guards, and they are now going to flee Oz on their own, and um, Glinda is left to kind of pick up the pieces. Mm. Um, so from that, you know, then Dorothy goes and meets the pals and obviously it doesn't make any sense that the scarecrow is Fiero and is running around with the Wicked Witch of the West, but that's Gregory Maguire's interpretation of it. And honestly, if you've seen the show, it is beautiful. It's a good show. The music is fantastic. It's by Stephen Schwartz. And it's spooky scary because... It is spooky scary. There's a lot of magic. There's... (laughs) Because witches. Right. There's the animals and the witches and, um, you know, the whole time, this whole town, like wants Elphaba's head on a stick. So she's essentially running for her life the whole show. Yeah. Um, but there are some really cool, like, practical effects with the magic that they do. Hmm. So it's a great show. Highly recommend. Very cool. <laughs> I saw it when it was in town. Uh, it was a pretty good show. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention is the the whole animal thing. Like, I got overwhelming, like, kind of racism metaphors from that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. these animals, they come in here, they, you know, take Taking our, our jobs. Taking our professor jobs. What are right. they doing? But that's yeah. a, a little sub-footer there. That's I, I agree. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and like at one point you see some of these anthropomorphic animals that obviously have thoughts and feelings and free will mm-hmm. like locked up in cages, yeah. which is more relevant now than it ever was when the show was written. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of quick honorable mentions before I say what I believe is the precipice of live theater and we move on wow. um, to the end of the episode and... Uh, Quick this brought to you by Chloe. Uh, some yeah, honorable mentions. Trademark. First off, uh, we'll, we'll go for the obvious ones, which are like Macbeth. Um, that was which a horror? Is Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Oh, talking. He talks to ghosts. He like, there's murder. There's everything. Hamlet, especially, talks to ghosts. Like, you watch the murder of his father. You watch the murder of like. Um, a lot of ghosts, a lot of murder, a lot yep. of backstabbing. Uh, Adam's Family feels like an obvious one. It's a live stage performance of the classic Adam's Family, okay. um, which is a little tongue-in-cheek, but still, mm-hmm. I think, counts. Uh, I want to talk about just a brief honorable mention for uh, um, Sweeney Todd, the demon <gasps> yes. barber of Fleet Street. Such a good show. A show completely about murder. Uh, basically screams, eat the rich, eat the rich. <laughs> Uh, literally eat them literally eat them but at the end of the day it comes down to that metaphor of like if you live like this if you live for revenge everyone at the end of the day ends up destroyed and ruined and i for an eye and and we we leave we leave the scarred remains on our children and that's exactly what that show does at the end uh all that's left is the child who watched all of it happen and he's left to live with all of that and he will never be okay because how could you move on from that there wasn't therapy in those times it's a giant (laughs) metaphor we love it i'm going to talk about into the woods as a uh, little honorable mention as well because just absolutely terrifying the first time that i saw that show put on um we got to the end of act one and i was like how many more people are gonna get killed so many people die but even like after you've watched it a thousand times once you start to pick up on the nuances of like how they're all metaphors for adult life it gets so much more like existentially like terrifying hmm. all of it 
It's called Getting Into the Woods? Into the Woods. Okay. It's a very good musical. Never seen it. Right. It's just like one of the most famous shows of all time. It's well, okay. Well, forgive me. Uh, it's, it's on, <laughs> Never. It's on YouTube for sure. Uh, a bootleg or... It wasn't technically a bootleg because it was released as a film. Um, but I'll also Disney it. made a live action version. I suggest you watch the... It's not bad. The, the, I, the, the live action is not bad, but I would watch the original because some songs got cut out of the That's true. Disney live action that I believe are pinnacle song crucial it's a musical Hmm. it's a musical but it's really good i'm not a huge fan of musicals you're not a huge fan of much buddy that's true (laughs) um not a very fun person you liked wicked give it a chance yeah give it i liked wicked give it i don't know why give it a seance buddy Hmm. wicked was good wicked good into the woods good i don't know entertain this (laughs) entertain this this. Um, wicked is good so so my final what i believe to be at least the next stepping stone in this journey of mixing live theater with horror um, is something that I just recently learned about because Chloe brought it to my attention. But I, I honestly believe that this is, this is in the evolution of how staged theater and uh, horror is going. Like, this is the next step, which is a... It was a... In 2014, it was called um, Sleep No More. Uh, Sleep No More was an adaptation of Macbeth, the classic Shakespearean play. Um, but it was done in the style of uh, the action happens around you as you're going through a five-story building, uh, going from room to room, each room being a different set piece where different scenes happen. They do none of the lines from Macbeth. All is done through like action to tell the story of uh, Macbeth that if you're not familiar with, I'm not going to waste too much time on, but uh, you should go and read Macbeth and figure that out. But it's this it's this uh, combination of live theater and haunted house that I think is super interesting and super different and super recent, which is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, you know, um, Cloblid has kind of put a stop to most <laughs> of the evolutionary tracks of uh, live performing arts. But yeah, once no way picks... you can shove that many people into one building now. Yeah, uh-uh. once it once it picks back up. Um... Although the performers are wearing masks, yeah, that's just not true. the masks that we wear. They they do wear masks. There was a, an interview with an actress who was a little pretentious and was like, "Whenever I put on the mask, I I don't feel like a person I anymore." Person. I feel no. She was like, "I put on the mask and then I just feel like I'm invisible. I'm just uh, there to perform and put on the show." And it's like, "That's great, honey." Why do they interview these people? <laughs> <laughs> These New York actors, like, you know they're going to say some pretentious shit. So if you don't know about it, go look into, (laughs) go look into Sleep No More. It's interesting just to learn about it and Mm -hmm. the experience that it was. And hopefully we can do more theater like that because it's really, really interesting. Yes. It's uh, something that I, a term that I myself call uh, impromptu theater, which uh, is not a coin term. Well, it's not impromptu. It's rehearsed, but it is interactive. Impromptu in the sense of it's not done in a theater. It's done... At a place, like a live place. Um, they oh, went out and they found the set instead of uh, building it. So it's not necessarily, you have to go to a, a theater to right. watch it. It's a be... functioning five-story hotel that they did this oh, in. Yes. Okay. That's that's the interesting part. Cool. Um, so go look that up. Go enjoy that. I hope that you will. Um, and that's all I got for you guys. This, I'll entertain it, maybe. This week on Entertain This. Entertain it, that. Thank you for wa- <laughs> taking, a, taking a terrifying walk down Broadway with me as we discussed the horror tropes brought to you live by the uh, actors and actresses of Broadway. <laughs> that being said, we're going to take a very quick little uh, promotional break. Uh, and once we get back, Chloe with a quick this. 
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever promotional segment of Entertain This. This week, I feel like we brought you guys something very special to promote. These artists reached out to us and asked us to play you guys their brand new single. This is actually one of their first singles, and this artist holds a very special place in not only my heart, but the heart of this podcast, um, because he was once known as Little Ice, who was actually a guest on our podcast a little bit ago, and uh, works pretty close with DJW, who is one of the music producers on our show. So without further ado, this is their very first single, Spain, by Trey Louie and the artist formerly known as Little Ice, J-Roy. Enjoy.
Once again, that was Spain by Trey Louis featuring J-Roy. If you guys enjoyed that song, you can currently stream it on Spotify. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you. Now back to the show. Welcome back, gar- gargoyles and ghouls. <laughs> yeah, you guys like that? Gargoyles and ghouls. That's right, You're going to have baby. to leave that in. I'm sorry. No, absolutely. We're leaving that in. Um, we are back uh, with our quick this this week brought to you by Chloe. That's me. Today, I will be talking about the aforementioned original Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House, which Oogie was spooky. first a book. And please pause while I Google who wrote it for probably the third time during this podcast. Remember, it doesn't have anything to do with Hank Hill. No. Or Bobby. It does Bobby. not. <laughs> what do you mean there are ghosts in our house, Bobby? <laughs> Lady Bird? <laughs> Lady Bird? I'm being haunted. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the author of the book is Shirley Jackson, which I do believe is a famous horror writer anyway. Um, oh. But they adapted it first into a movie in 1975 and then into this Netflix show in like the past year or so. And it is really fantastic. It is about a family of seven who move into Hill House to flip it. It's a very old house. So they're doing renovations and fixing it up, repainting, you know, fixing the grandfather clock, all that crap. Like you do. Right. Like you do. Sometimes you flip houses. I wish I could. You wish you could flip houses? Be that strong. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it requires good, a lot good, of good work. Time. It does. So they're just kind of stuck there because they've sunk money in and now they have to fix it, flip it, get the money to move back out. But they very, very quickly realize that the house is hella haunted. There are all kinds of ghosts there. Um, but the problem is uh, the dad doesn't really... The dad's name is Hugh. Hugh does not believe that anything paranormal is going on he just believes that his kids and his wife are having bad dreams Hmm. when his wife tells him something horrifying that happened he'll be like oh that was a really bad dream huh (laughs) like don't say that it was real i know that we kind of give that uh that warning of no spoilers but please no spoilers Okay. I'm so early on into this journey. <laughs> well, I already told you that. Yeah, so no, I thought you, I was safe. you totally did. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, you're good. I, I just, I just worry about. <laughs> this is a spoiler-free review. Oh, awesome. Um, so there are five children. I'm going to name them in descending age order: are Stevie, Shirley, Theodora, Eleanor, who they call Nell or Nellie, and Luke. Which I didn't realize that Nell was like a nickname for Eleanor. I know. So Mine's at first blown. I was like, what kind of name is Nell? <laughs> Like um, Nelly, the I've heard Nelly. That's a pop person. I've heard it from a song. Uh, Whoa, Nelly! <laughs> Whoa, Nelly! <laughs> so I guess it's a nickname for Eleanor, which I didn't know. Didn't know that. Um, Interesting. But the very first episode, you are introduced to all of the children and the family in the house, and Nelly, who is the one of the younger twins. Nelly and Luke are twins, and she is seeing all kinds of stuff and she's terrified and some of the other siblings you know see paranormal stuff but stevie the oldest one he never sees a ghost that's kind of the first thing you learn about him um maybe he's already dead oh ooh. i don't know <laughs> um, because his dad was like close your eyes close your eyes just run close your eyes <laughs> but we 
the show goes back and forth between when the family is living in Hill House and then something like 15, 20 years later, you see the effects that living in this house and all of the horrible things that happened to them have had on their lives. What career paths they've chosen because of it. Um, you know, some of them go down darker paths. They can't cope with their regular life. Um, I won't say too much more, but it is a really fantastic show because as we kind of mentioned earlier, it really has the ability to get under your skin. It is very scary. There are constantly like hidden ghosties in the background. Um, There are things that the characters can see that you can't see, but they're obviously terrified by them. Um, And there are just some really scarring things that happen as Alex can attest. It's, it is deeply upsetting, Mm -hmm. but it's so it's so well written, so well shot, and all of the actors do such an amazing job that I ripped through the series in like a week. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and now they're doing a sequel called The Haunting of Bly Manor, and I'm very excited. I think it sets a pretty cool precedent for Netflix originals to be spooky scary, which I love, and they're just, they're really well done. It's more of like a... They're like 50-minute episodes, so it is a bit of a a time commitment if you're going to get into the show, but it's worth it. Everything, you know, connects together. Everything has meaning. Every little thing that happens, every conversation, it all links together to create this story, and I love it. Hmm. It's great. Excellent. Is it similar to Bird Box? You know, I never saw Bird Box. Neither did I. But I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Netflix thing. That's why I said it. So. Right. No. Um, Bird Box is like. Riff time. Uh, it's like the apocalyptic <laughs> crap. This is like straight up paranormal. Hmm. Yeah. That's I, your time. I won't entertain it. You Please? won't. Just so you know. <laughs> no, he's, he's That's okay. Scary. I get it. It's kind of horrifying. Oh, I don't yeah. want to be scared. I try not to be scared. There's some stuff in that show that I will never unsee. Oh, no. I've only watched two episodes. There's already something that I can very vividly describe right now. We'll but tell you like once what? the audio cuts. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not scared. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> thank you guys. I'm all shook. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way to the end of the episode. Wow. Uh, you did it. We love you guys very much. Our audience is growing. Ever ever strong. Mm-hmm. Our little entertainees. Um. <laughs> So we're calling them. Now? That's what I've been calling them. Yeah. All right. Our little entertainees. Um, like so, it. thank you so much for listening. Next week, uh, Nick's going to pick up with our next episode on Spooky Scary Month. Thanks again for having me on the podcast. Always a pleasure. Hey, oh, you're of welcome. course. Yeah, you're 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 here next week too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you'll be back next week. <laughs> we're keeping you on the payroll until then. <laughs> I, I get paid for this. Uh, <laughs> no comment <laughs> Nick if you wouldn't mind please inserting your foot into your mouth that would be great as I just kind of sign off thank you guys so much for listening I've been doing yoga see you guys next week okay bye bye this episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and Chloe Price our theme music is Brushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.